This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Again, thank you so much, teenagers and young people, for leading us this morning. Last week, we uh, started a the first of a two-part concluding uh, sermon in, in the book of Galatians. If you've not been with us or if you haven't followed with us, we are uh, concluding a really long uh, study through the book of Galatians, which I believe has been incredible. Um, and last week we looked at this, the idea of the motive in our lives. Is our motive to work and look good and boast in ourselves, or is our motive to do all that we can to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And as we look at this and have this understanding that it is the grace of God um, that we have what we have, or outside of Him we are absolutely nothing, as we begin to understand that, our motive changes then from boasting or looking at me and how great that I am to truly being able to say, God is amazing because without Him, I am nothing. And so this morning, I'm going to ask that you kind of hang tight with me. Uh, I have... I'm probably going to read a lot more than I normally read. Um, I've got a lot of scripture this morning. Is that all right? Are we good with that? Um, I hope it's all right because that's what I got. So um, I've got a lot of pages of notes, but so much of it is just looking at the references of God's word and and tackling this whole entire concept of boasting in Christ and what it speaks of. And so um, I'm going to probably stand here while I say that, and then I never end up doing it, but I'm probably going to stand here a little bit more than maybe normal, Um, but just reading through scriptures and reading through uh, really what I believe God's kind of laid on my heart. And so as we get in this morning, there's, there's basically this, and we've talked about this for many, many, many weeks and months, but there are basically two uh, forms of or two religions in the world, that of divine accomplishment and that of human achievement. That divine accomplishment would be this. It's, it's what we've talked about and studied. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ who by God's grace, that word grace looking at it is this, God doing in and through and for you, that which you cannot do for yourself. So it's by God's grace providing for man's redemption. Redemption is this, the deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin and the penalties of God's violated laws by the cross of Jesus Christ through the sacrifice of himself on the cross. So that is what a divine religion is. That is in Jesus Christ. The religion of, say, human achievement is this. It's basically all of the religions outside of that that have the same basic concept, work. You do all of these things and you can begin to hopefully be okay in the end. It's a works righteousness or that of seeking to please God by our various forms and methods of human merit and effort. See, if we look through Scripture, we go all the way back to the very, very beginning. Satan or Lucifer said this, or was this. He wanted to do what? He wanted to be God. He wanted to usurp God's authority. Isaiah chapter 14 says this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, Lucifer said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Lucifer decided that he wanted to be like God. And then what happened after that? So Lucifer gets cast away. He gets out of heaven. Then what does he begin to do? He's now the great deceiver, right? Everything now falls after this. So in Genesis chapter 3, we see now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. And then she added, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And listen to this. This is what the serpent does. Now, just as he did then, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, what does he say? Then your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Is that not everything that we see on a daily basis? When we begin to boast in ourselves, we begin to listen and believe the lies that if I do this, then God just thinks of me as, oh, he's kind of nervous as to what I'm going to, I'm going to get better than him. I'm going to be as a God. I'm going to, and we begin to believe without a doubt to look into the religions or outside of biblical Christianity is human effort and works righteousness. And Paul says, of false teaching of the gospel and the deception that is in our, our, our heart. He's, it's, it's, that's there. Since Lucifer's fall, it has been about deception. 2 Corinthians 11. For such are the false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. People that are acting to be something that they are not. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan is not the little red devil with little horns, pitchfork. That's not who Satan is. We know this. Satan is what? He was the most beautiful of the angels. But he transformed himself into the, the he transforms himself. Therefore, it is no great thing if he if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. It's why we must. Know and be firmly grounded in the Word of God. This is why, to be real honest, why was I, and I'm never in much of a hurry to get through a passage of Scripture, because I believe it's so vitally important, not just to say that we taught through a passage, but that we can grasp it and understand it and apply it and use it, because I have a responsibility as a teacher leader, but I have a responsibility as a believer that I should stand firm in the word of God because guess what? Deception is coming every single day and all the way around us. We have to know the word of God. We have to stand firm in the word of God. We have to be able and ready to give an answer. 1 Timothy 4 now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Listen, I have no desire that any of you would depart from the faith. But do you know that it will happen? There will be some that sit in this room that will depart and never come back to the, the truths of God's word. Because they've been deceived by something, by another religion, by ultimately really what it is. It's they've been deceived by the enemy, to believe that there is something different or bigger or better than 
who God is. Some shall depart from their faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Paul says, God forbid that I would glory or boast in anything but the cross. See, when we begin to listen to these things, we begin to boast in us. All of the world brings us, all that the world brings us is to boast in us. But God's word says this in 1 Corinthians 1, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And says in verse number, chapter number 3 in 1 Corinthians, therefore let no man glory in men. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. We should boast only in the cross. We should only have him. That's why Paul said it in 1 Corinthians, for I determined not to know anything among you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. One of my all-time favorite verses in all of Scripture is Paul just making the statement, my greatest desire among all of you and everything that's out there is what? To know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So this morning we're in Galatians chapter number 6. We're continuing and concluding uh, our study in the book of Galatians. And so if you have your word, or the Bible with you, we'll be in verse number 11 and we'll conclude in verse number 18. We'll get into this here this morning. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 11 is where we will start. And it says this, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on, on them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this study that we've had in the book of Galatians. And God, I pray that as we conclude it today, that it would only be your word that would speak the truth and pierce the hearts of those that sit here. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we... Boast in the cross for the reasons that have been mentioned. We boast in the cross not just because it's a cross. We boast in the cross because of the person of the cross. We boast in the cross because of the power of the cross, because of the purpose of the cross. And so we do that as we've looked at in this already just in the introduction, just a short introduction. We've looked at passage after passage that would speak of, of why we would do that, the deceptions and, and all of these things. But as we come through and as we continue to, to, to press in here this morning, we identify with Christ's death on the cross, but also uh, God the Father identifies us with the perfect righteousness of his Son, whose blood was shed. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Believers uh, are, are in Romans chapter 3, 24 and 25. Believers are being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation 
through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Believers will never face God's judgment and condemnation for their sin because Jesus was judged and condemned on their behalf is what it says in Romans chapter 8, right? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Listen, Paul had every reason to boast in himself. You know what? A lot of us, we might sit here and go, we, I have reason to boast in me. I'm, I'm all right. All of us can in some regards. I'm a moral person. I'm in church on a regular basis. I've done this. I've done that. And Paul said it just as much as, as any of us. Paul had reason in Philippians chapter 3. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I the more. If any of you think you can boast in your flesh, I can even the more. What does he go on and says? Here he says what? I was circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I count for loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his, again, resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I've read a lot of scripture already this morning. See, Paul was choosing and chose to boast only in the cross. And as we get into the thoughts and the points this morning, we have looked at boasting in the flesh is you and I being deceived by the enemy. We talked about that right at the very, very beginning. To think that we have something to offer. See, I have nothing to offer. Yes, I can, according to maybe the people at, at your work, yeah, you can go, well, I'm, I'm more moral than they are. I am better because of whatever the things that we might say that we are better at. But the reality is we, we have nothing to boast in. It's only in Christ that we have redemption. Therefore, it's only in the cross that we can boast, for we have nothing to do with our salvation other than saying, God, I need you, and I will place my faith in you. So this morning, I have three simple thoughts that are going to go along with this passage of Scripture. The first is this, we boast in the cross because of the person of the cross. Paul says, God forbid, but God forbid in 14, that I should glory or boast, save in the cross 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul spoke freely. Think about this. I talked about this a little bit last week, but think about it. The Roman, Paul spoke that he was a Roman citizen. The cross was vicious and vile. The Romans were the one who would hang a man on a tree, but they would not hang their own on a tree. The cross was not something that was fun to talk about. It was not something that was glamorous. It would really be like you and I glamorizing or boasting or having pride in the death penalty, whether it was lethal injection or the electric chair or whatever that would be. See, the thing is, though, Paul did not boast in the cross itself. Paul boasted in the person of the cross. It wasn't about the symbol so much of the cross, rather the the cross of Jesus Christ. And throughout the book of Galatians, Paul writes and mentions the name Jesus Christ 45 times. One third of every verse in the book of Galatians references back to the person of Jesus Christ. It was Christ that made the cross glorious to Paul. Again, it was the person of of the cross. It says in 14 that he would that the world is crucified unto me. I want you to listen to this. I want you to, to stop and as we go from this point forward, I really want you to, to think of this these next couple teaching moments, I guess you would say. Paul makes reference in this passage in 14 by whom the world is crucified unto me. The word world, and I don't go into this oftentimes, but the word world means it's called cosmos, which speaks of an ordered system. So the word world speaks of an ordered system. The word uh, cosmetic derives from cosmos, and I love this, somebody's going to laugh about this, but I like it, having the basic meaning of covering up disorder with something that brings order. I thought it was funny. So the New Testament, what does the New Testament, when the word world is mentioned in the New Testament, what is it referring to? It's referring to Satan's world, the world system that we look at. And so as we look at this, just stay with me, our lives, so the New Testament speaks of world as a evil world system ruled by Satan and his agents. Our lives apart from Jesus Christ is a life of a victim of the system, meaningless, no hope, no purpose or reason for being. What is the word chaos? Chaos is the opposite of cosmos. This is a life ruled by flesh and run by the world. So without Christ, we are often haunted by our past. We cannot be freed from the guilt and the anxiety and the things of our past. There is an expectation that tomorrow will be something that is better, right? Well, tomorrow is going to be something different, and the next day is going to be something. It's always going to get better. The problem inside of the world, that chaos, it never gets better. Well, what does the Word of God say? 1 Corinthians Eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. And that's how often we live our, our lives, especially those in the world. The unbeliever is in bondage to this world, this chaos. And so what does it try to do? And what are we deceived to do? So we take cosmetic and we try to patch or cover up disorder. The world, in God's view, was perfect order. 
With Satan, it's chaos, and so we try to patch it with all other things. I can do this. I can do this. I can patch all of these things. Paul says, no way. We must boast in the cross because it's in Jesus Christ that we are freed from that world, that we are crucified, in verse 14, by whom the world is crucified unto me, that I am freed from that. I am no longer a part of that. Our past, present, and future sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ's death. Today we are in the care of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would live and dwell in us that we can face today's problems and have strength, that we can have peace, that we can have comfort, not in me, but in Him. Therefore, what? I can boast in Him. I can boast in the cross. Everything a believer ultimately treasures is not even here. Our Heavenly Father, our Savior, our eternal home, our eternal reward are not here. Yet, we are assured and we are secured by Jesus Christ. We are secured by the Lord. He hath begun a good work in you. will perfect it until the day of Christ. It isn't just about tomorrow and that we would look at it for one day we'll be in heaven. But it's that God has given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. To, 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 he has given you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ that you were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. You've been adopted as a son through Jesus Christ. You have redemption through his blood We can face every day we've looked at this. As we walk in the Spirit, we can continue to navigate the things of this world, though we may not understand or feel like we have the power to do so. This morning, it's in the person of the cross that we can boast. It's in the person of the cross that the world has been crucified unto me and I to the world, that chaos of the enemy's system 1 John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world, what is that? That chaotic world, that system that we've talked about. See, the reality is this. If you claim atheism, agnostic, or just don't believe, if you don't know Christ, you are captive in Satan's world system. You are dead in your sins and trespasses. Just as many of us who sit here today we're dead in our sins and trespasses, but God, but the person of the cross. See, dead, being dead in our sin and trespasses, but God, what does it say? He quickened. He raised us up. He brought us to newness of life in him. Believers have been freed from this system. Yes, we face the battle of sin, but we are no longer under the dominion, that power, that bondage. Because of the Holy Spirit who is now fighting on our behalf. The Christian's citizenship is no longer in the evil world system. Philippians chapter 3. For our conversation, what does it say? Is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. Listen, here's, I said this several weeks ago and I got to keep flying through. But we ought to be excited to go home to see Jesus. There ought to be a, an anticipation. There ought to be a, a joy. There ought to be a, a, a glory in saying, hey, I'm going home. I hope none of you are at the place where you're like, I just want to leave and I'm ready to go. Like, I'm excited to get there. 
I don't know that I want to go right now, right? I would love to see my children be, should I say, I, I want to see my kids get married. I want to have grandkids. But I want to get to heaven. I'm excited for that day. You know, sometimes, though, because of our own sin, because we live in this world and we've been deceived and we've allowed these things to so control our minds, we're kind of like, eh, I'm not, eh, we're not excited to get to heaven. We ought to be excited to get in heaven. We ought to be, as we look at this passage, for our conversation is in heaven. We look for the Savior who shall change this vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm excited to find out. Anybody have any pains today? There's like four of you raised your hands. My daughter's 10, and she went roller skating yesterday, and she's like, Dad, I'm sore everywhere. I'm like, you're 10. Right? Just like when I say I'm hurting or whatever, and you're like, you're 39 years old. Get over it. Man, I'm excited for what that would be. Not just, but I, I'm curious. What does that perfect body look like? That it may be fashioned unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. In John 17, an absolutely favorite passage of Scripture. John 17, Jesus is cry, or praying and crying out to God. It says in verse number 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou, God, you gave to me. Out of what? The world, that chaotic, that, that system of sin. Thine they were. And thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. Verse 11, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. The believers, we are still here. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be as one as we are. Jesus is praying, God, God, would you, would you keep those, the believers, would you keep them? Would you care for them? Would you love them? Would you guard and protect them? Would they be as one? And in verses 15 and 16, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, again, that system, that chaos, but that thou, God, should keep them from the evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. See, we boast in the person of the cross. And I could be real honest, and I think you would all agree with me. I could spend all day talking of just the person of the cross and what we have and why we should boast in the cross. But let's move forward to the next thought. So we would boast in the cross because of the person of the cross. We would boast in the cross because of the power of the cross. Of the cross. The power of the cross ultimately really is what sets us apart. There is no other that has the power of redemption, that power of deliverance of sin, that power that delivers us from the bondage, that power that, that, can, that can come on my behalf of sin, the power of sanctifying. There is no other that has the power of redemption. There is no other that has the power to sanctify, to set us apart, to make us holy, to purify us. This wicked heart from the world that we have just read about. 
See, this power isn't in the circumcision of the saints of old. If we look at this in verse number 14, it speaks of, uh, of us being crucified by the world is, or by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, it says what? In verse 15, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature or a new creature. We boast in the power of the cross. It's not in the power of circumcision. It's not in the power of our actions. It's not in any of those things. It's simply in the power of the cross. See, the Galatians had dabbled back in that they had to do these things to make sure that they were okay according to what everybody had said, according to the law that they had to do this and they had to do that. Paul is reminding them as he concludes, it's not about that. It is only in the cross. The world's answer to our, an, our issues are what? Just do more. The world would say what? That we would just do more. Give more to charity. Act nicer. Love each other. The reality is I can't and we can't love each other outside of Christ. We can't do more and more. We can't just be circumcised and things would be fixed. We can't pray X amount of times. We can't follow this set of rules. We can't act like this enough. We cannot wear this thing or wear that thing. Because it's not about the power that you have. It's the power that is in Him, the person of the cross, which is why we boast in it. Because it's not about me. Because if it was about me, I would boast in me. And oftentimes I do just that. I boast in me. I listen to the deception, the deceiving lies inside of my head, the enemy that would tell me this and that. And I, I believe those things. But it's not about that. It's in the grace of God God who is doing in and through and for you, which you cannot do for yourself. You cannot do enough. It's only in the person which gives the power of the cross. Think about this. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, did he not? What did Jesus do while he was here? Not only did he just not sin, but Jesus would spit on the dirt and heal somebody's eyes. Jesus looked and raised from the dead. Jesus from a distance said, hey, just go on and she'll be okay. Jesus fed the thousands upon thousands. Jesus did every single thing right. But what did the world say? To the cross, because you didn't do enough. Jesus didn't break the law. But yet the world said what? The cross. Because the world system is chaos. It's not of God. And it's you versus me. And if you and I are the ones that hold the reins... Guess what? One of us will win. It's me saying, well, I did. Well, wait. You didn't uphold the law the way that I feel that you should have upheld the law. So therefore, Jesus, you have to go to the cross. Listen, you cannot do enough. 
Believer, you cannot do enough. Because it's not about what you can do. It's about me saying, God, here I am. Use me how you would have me to be used. Because it's your power. It's you doing anything that's good in me. The world's answer was the cross. So the cross is the believer's answer to the world. The world will mask itself to believe that through friendships and through money and through fame and through this method or that thing, this applause, that everything will be okay. Listen to me. When we begin to listen to the lies and the deception that is being sent our way, there is always going to be a compromise. There will always be a compromise when we think that we can just listen and we can tweak. Well, we'll just do this. And it's not really going that far. Every time we compromise the deceptions and the lies of the enemy, it says, ha ha, come on, keep coming. Because it's really not that bad because you're still doing better than them. But it's never about your work. It's about our obedience to him. The power of the cross should be freedom from ourselves. You know, one of the hardest things to do is Forgive what? Me. Sometimes it's far easier to forgive the most heinous of things that somebody else did than it is to forgive me and know that I caused this pain or I caused that hurt or I did this or that. But the power of the cross should give us freedom from us. Why? Galatians 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer what? I who live, I no longer live. It's now Christ living in me. I have been freed from that. Galatians 5 says I've been crucified, the crucified, the flesh with passions and lusts. So I have been crucified. I have died to these things. It's not me who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. It's Christ who gives me that strength. I can't overcome that addiction. I can't overcome that thing. No, I can't. But when I say, God, I cannot, but only you can, is when we can have victory in it. And so as we look at this, I've been crucified, and I no longer live, but he does. I've been, my, my flesh has been crucified. We've been freed from the world, verse 14 said. It's the death and resurrection of Christ. That power of God was and is released to give deliverance and victory. It's no longer we who live. It's no longer I who lives. It's Christ living in us. The cross gives power as we yield to him. We have victory. There is no power in the law. There is no power in circumcision. There is no power in my works. There is no power in my philanthropy. There is no power in anything but Jesus Christ. And I believe with everything in me this morning, everybody would say, well, that, I understand that. But I raise my hand first and say, but I don't always live that. I spoke of it last week that oftentimes I boast in my flesh. Oh, 
Look where our church is. Look what God has done because of me. Oh, if I would have only done this or done that, we would have had this many people. Oh, if I wouldn't have done this, then this would have happened. How foolish and selfish of me to think that if I would have, then all of a sudden this would have happened. It's no different than me thinking that when I give myself to Jesus, I'm going to become a millionaire. Well, God, I gave you my life and I am so faithful to you. Why do I not have loads of money coming in? Because God never promised that. Rather, he said, just, just walk with me. Just Day by day, yield yourself to me. You may not have more wealth. You may not have more health. Your work situation might not get a lot better. Things may not just miraculously turn around. But God promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. God promised that we would have peace. We'll see that in just a moment. God promised that we would have all kinds of things, none of which are things that are earthly and worldly. And so as we look at this, we can't boast in ourselves because there's no power in the things that we do. We only can boast in Him because it's in Him that there is power. We boast in the cross because of the person of the cross. We boast in the cross because of the power of the cross. And lastly, this morning, we boast in the cross because of the purpose of the cross. In verse number 15, it closes out, and he makes this statement all the way through that. For Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. It has nothing to do with that. But a new creature, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God, from henceforth let no man trouble me. And as we look at this, the purpose, Paul boasted in the cross because it had the power to bring salvation to the many who would walk according to the rule. To those who would say yes and believe and accept the person of Jesus Christ. John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And it says this, he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, the problem isn't that people are in church or they're not in church. The problem isn't that they have found religion or they haven't found religion. The problem is stated right there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that what? Whosoever believes. There's a lot of people that would go, oh yeah, I believe there's a God up there, the good man upstairs. I can, I can believe a lot, but do I believe? I was saying this to Esther the other day. Her nephew has been uh, relapsed with leukemia, five years old, and, and I've just, I don't know what, God just really stirred in my heart that I genuinely believe with everything in me that God can heal people. I genuinely believe that. But do I really 
believe it in the depths of my soul and spirit. Not that I believe that he can. Oh, yeah, I know that God can. I know that God's word says that he holds everything in the palm of his, his, in his hand. I'm very well aware of that. In my head knowledge, I know that God has more money than anything. I know that God can go and the mountain will move. I know that all of those things. But do I genuinely believe that in the depths of my heart? Because God God's word says when we pray in belief, sometimes I think I pray with a head knowledge, God, I know that you can, but if your will would be done. And I don't know what will happen with little Liam. But I've been asking God in my own spirit, God, would you allow me to pray and have a genuine belief that you can perform that miracle? Not that I know in my head that that's a possibility, but that I would just genuinely have that belief. God, I know that you're about to do something. And so as we look at this, this is what this is. The purpose that we would believe. The condition for salvation. Belief in God's Son. Salvation is made available to all. No exception. Second Peter says, not having a desire that any would perish. God's desire is that none of us would perish, but all would have eternal life. Today I would simply say this as we kind of conclude throughout this series is, don't deny God. There is no change for the terms of salvation. It is for all who repent and believe, but only for those who do so. See, that's a really cool thing to say inside of the church. For only those who believe, and we all go, Amen! But I just genuinely ask, do we... Do we understand the depth of that statement? Because the coworker that you work with that doesn't know is on a path of eternal separation, eternal damnation from an almighty, loving, and caring God who would desire that they would come to know him in salvation. But you know what? I'm far too busy to weep and pray for that person. I'm far too busy to genuinely boast in the cross, not standing up and saying, hey, I love Jesus when you walk into work. But genuinely just saying, God, I don't know what today holds, but I am yielding myself to you. I am broken before you. I said this Wednesday, when was the last time that you wept over somebody that needs Jesus as Savior? Wednesday night, right here in this room during our prayer time, countless names were just thrown out. God, I, I need to, I'm praying that Joe would come and Mike would come and this person and that. They just names were flowing out. But I'm talking how many times have we just wept over the fact that somebody needs to know Jesus as Savior? Would we boast in the cross? Not when it's comfortable, but every day. Hey, don't deny Christ today. See, it's 
this basic rule, this basic measurement or standard of salvation is what Paul said in this passage of Scripture, that when as many as walk according to this rule, as many as walk according to that measurement or that standard of salvation, then what does it say? Grace. It says it is then that we get a peace, a new and a right standing before God. We understand the mercy and the forgiveness and the love that God sets before us we have a greater understanding of the judgment of the eternal separation. So this morning, as we conclude an entire book, an entire series in thought, I ask you, are you walking in the grace of God? Or are you in chains to this world's system because you're making sure that you do all of the right things? Well, pastor, I'm in church every day. I know the grace of God and he's saved me good. But are you walking in it? Because there's been countless days and weeks and months and years of my life that I did not walk according to the grace of God. I walked according to laws of the world and I made sure that I looked good in your eyes. Though I wasn't before my face getting to know him. And it's misery it's when I get sick and tired of doing the things that I am supposed to do. Well, I'm supposed to serve, and I'm supposed to clean, and I'm supposed to greet, and I'm supposed to be an usher, and I'm supposed to work with children. And when we live like that long enough, we begin to hate cleaning, and we hate working in the nursery, and we hate working in the children. And then we're like, all right, kids, we just have to go to church again. Nowhere is that supposed to be. This isn't a job for us to be here. This should be a desire and a joy and a, and, and a pleasure that we get to serve. Not, I say this, I don't serve you. I serve God, and in serving God, I get to serve you. But when I begin to get to the place that I just serve you, it's miserable. And I love all of you. I do. But I love you a lot more when I'm loving him first. Because when I don't, I'm not the nicest guy in the world either. And I sit in my office and I'm, can you believe that they said that? Can you believe that somebody would act like that? I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't fun. But when we walk in the grace of God and the, the mercy of God and we live in the life that is genuinely, I have been set free from all of that mess. Man, it's fun. Don't live in that world's chaotic system putting on all of the cosmetic things to make sure that it's covering up all of that disorder. This morning, I just ask, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? You might sit here and say, Pastor Aaron, there's never been a time where I've given myself to him as Savior. And I would ask you, would you do that today? Maybe you would, and you've heard this over and over countless times, many of you. But the thought and the intention behind this whole series and this entire book was that we would understand what it is to walk in the freedom that God has given to us in salvation. And we looked at that in chapter number five, right? 
that God has given us freedom, liberty to love through in love, serve one another, Galatians 5.13. And what freedom that it is when it's by his grace that that pours out of us. And we understand that I don't boast in me, but because of all of the things that we looked at today and all throughout this entire book that we would say, man, I can boast only in him because it's only in him that I'm able to have or do or act or think anything that we act and do and think. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.